15th anniversary of 9-11. How many of you guys remember 9-11? Um, they were saying that, you know, this is the first year that they're actually teaching it actually as a history, historical event. Some people weren't even born then. And uh, how many of you guys you just remember where you were at? And I definitely remember that. It was a very uh, trying time for our nation. It was, um, uh, can make you mad, can make you angry. And uh, one of the things I felt like we needed to do just as a church today is just to pray. And uh, I want to pray for our nation today. And, uh, you know, I don't want uh, to see another 9-11 in, in my lifetime, my kids' lifetime again. And uh, I want to pray against the forces that are coming against our nation right now. You know, we're in election year, and um, I, I, just, I just want, I want God's will to be done. I want, I want revival to happen. You know, I want people to be saved. I want the focus to be on Him. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And let's just pray together as a church family. Father, right now we come to you and we thank you for our country. Now, Father God, we thank you that we were, you, you placed us here for a purpose. And, uh, and I just thank you, God, that uh, nothing will harm our country in Jesus' name. Now, Father God, we rebuke any attempt of the enemy, any attempt of forces that would try to kill, steal, and destroy and do the enemy's job. And Father, we command that to stop now in Jesus' name. And we thank you that the United States of America will be known for their love for you and their love for others in Jesus' name. And we just thank you. So we just pray that you will provide, do a revival, an awakening in our nation again in Jesus' name, and that your name will be lifted up more than ever. Father, I thank you that you protect our government officials. I thank you that you protect our, our, our uh, servicemen and women, Lord. I thank you that you uh, protect um, our churches in America, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Father God, I thank you for just protecting your word, that your word will go forth with boldness, with power, with clarity in the name of Jesus from this nation throughout the world again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Well, look in your bulletin. Uh, we, have, uh, we don't actually have notes. We have just blank lines because we wanted to give you just an opportunity just to really just take notes today. Um, we're starting a new series on heaven, and uh, I'm going to be giving you a lot of information, okay? And uh, just kind of just giving an overview of what really heaven is and kind of start, start our thinking processes right. Because when we're starting this you know, series, you know, I can tell you in advance, it's probably not what you've thought heaven is. It's probably a lot better, let me just say that, so I don't want you to get freaked out. But it's definitely not you, after you die, you're going to turn into a fat little baby and have a harp and just float around in clouds. So, sorry, sorry, Steve, I know that's what you wanted. <laughs> it's, it's a totally different, in fact, some of the things we, we think about heaven, you know, we think of this as mystical thing and we're just all floating. We never see anybody's feet because it's all in clouds and that's not the way it is. And so I want us to understand really throughout this series of what heaven is, what really is going to happen after you die. And I've been telling you this, been warning you, you're going to die. And it is actually a good thing. And hopefully after today, you'll see that a little differently. And uh, you'll understand some things about heaven. I want to challenge you to be here every Sunday if you're not download the C, uh, the the MP3 off the, off online on podcast or get the CD. Um, but but really begin to study this. Just take this home. In fact, we have opportunities in your bulletin. There's some uh, information about small groups you can be a part of. Some of the things I don't have time to teach on. 
And so we are using uh, another video series from Chip Ingram. And, uh, and I encourage you to be a part of that and just discuss it and discuss these things on heaven because I think it's one of the most important things that we understand. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says this. Basically, eternity has been, been planted in all of mankind. In fact, if you, if you do studies, that everyone has an afterlife. Everyone, that every religion, everything in there has an afterlife. There's something going to happen after. You know, there's going to be good things for people who do good. There's going to be bad things for people who do bad, you know. But, but there is a real afterlife that is going on and what God has for us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to study what is heaven like, where is heaven at, and uh, we're just going to really go through Scripture today. Is that okay? Um, I'm not going to go through experience. I've, of course, never been to heaven, so I can't do that, or anybody else's experience, and those are all good, and I, I'm not going to judge those, but really we're going to see it from the Word of God, because then this is why we're doing this, uh, this study on heaven, because I believe one of, the, one of the number one things that are, is hurting us as believers is our misconceptions about heaven. You know, when I was young, when I was a teenager, I, I got saved in the early 80s. And in the 80s, you know, Jesus was coming back in 1988. And um, that's what some people, a book came out. But that was a big deal that Jesus was coming back. And this is what I would always say. Jesus, I don't want you to come back until I get married. Really what I was saying, I really wanted to have sex, but I can't do that until I'm married. Because, And so, um, but that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that there was something greater here on this earth. If it wasn't marriage, it was something, God, I want to go here first. I want to do this first here. And my thinking was that, that heaven isn't really that great. And that was kind of my, under, my understanding that that here on earth is actually better than what God has for me in heaven. And so our misconceptions are really hurting us in a lot of ways. You know, the first two millennia of the church, heaven was a central topic. Teaching was, was, was on heaven all the time. They talked about heaven, hell, and judgment, and clarity, and what it would be like after you die. And in the last hundred years, we just haven't taught that. In fact, if you look some, uh, in through what some seminaries are teaching, they don't really teach a lot about heaven. And we need to, need to learn more about heaven. They don't teach a lot of that, and they don't teach a lot about the new heaven and the new earth. See, you've got to understand this. Death is more than just dying. It is transforming your life. It's gaining life. It's not about losing. Death is not about losing. You understand that? You, as a believer, don't lose. You actually gain. To die is what? Gain. We gain when we die. And it's so important that we begin to have the right understanding, the right concepts about heaven. And I tell you what, if you start to have the right understanding and concepts about heaven, your life here on this earth will change drastically because you're going to have a transforming Man, I can't wait to get there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, you have been raised up with Christ. In other words, you're a believer. You have died with him. You've been raised up with him. He says, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. So, so Paul's saying here, keep seeking those things that are above where Christ is. And that's the command here. Why? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
But when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, it's revealed in glory, it says. See, a lot of issues that we have as believers right now, a lot of our anxieties, our fears, uh, our lack of peace that we have as, as Christians, even the temptations that we struggle with, how we treat people, if we had a very clear picture of what heaven is like, not floating around in clouds, not playing harps, not even, be honest with you, having a long, long church service. If we had a right view about heaven, we would have a longing for heaven. And it would allow us an eternal perspective to make our right priorities, our right choices, and make our priorities correct, our decisions correct. And the way we treat others is going to be different because we are doing everything in the light of eternity. Everything in light of, man, that's where I'm headed. That's where God is. See, our faulty view of heaven even destines us here to a wasted life on this earth. And so when Jesus, let me show you how important this is. The, the right understanding of heaven and the view that we should have of heaven. When Jesus was about ready to be crucified for our sins, in John chapter 13, he starts to wash the, the, the disciples' feet. And they had what we call the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. And this is the last night here on this earth. And on that final night here with these group of men and the God of the universe, Jesus himself is right there. He's about ready to, to take his life, give his life away and take on our sin. He's about ready to be martyred. And at this one, one time that he has is to encourage his people. Because these, these guys, they're going to be living. They're, he knows what's going to happen to these 12. Or these at least, at least, well, all the 12, but at least the 11 too. He knows that every one of them but one are going to die a martyr's death. And the one who doesn't die doesn't get off easy. He gets, he gets put on an island, a, a rock island, alone. Where he writes the book of Revelation. Receives that revelation of Jesus Christ. And they know, he knows what they're going to go through. They're going to go through persecution. They're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to go through very, very hard times. They're going to live in a world where it's, it's one of the worst times in history morally. There's going to be a God on every corner. There's going to be things coming against them. And the Roman emperor is one of the worst emperors around. And so here's what they, he says. Here's what Jesus says to him in John chapter 14, verse 1. Look, look, look at this. He looks at them. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not, would have, told, I would not have told you. For I go to prepare a place. It's a specific place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, and here's the key, I will come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And so what he understood was this very clear picture of heaven. And what they began to do, they began to reach out and that's, what persever- that's how they persevered through this trouble, through this 
this hardship that they were going in is because they knew what was coming for them. They knew that they were waiting for this living city, this what Hebrew says, a city that God was building. But they were actually had the sense of this future that was clear, that was tangible, that was real, that was attractive. And this is what motivated them. And that's what should motivate us today as believers. And that's where we're going. That's what should motivate us, how we build our relationship. Because we want people to go there with us. And so what is heaven and where is heaven? You know, Jesus is preparing a place. He's the ultimate carpenter. He says, in my my father's house are many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, in the Bible, heaven can mean three different things. Heaven can mean, in the Bible, it can mean the sky. The clouds in the sky it can mean that what you look up, the atmosphere, the sky. Another word for heaven can mean the galaxy, the stars. It's talking about the stars and the planets. But the third, third way heaven is translated, and this is the one when we talk about this is where we're going, is translated the abode of God. The abode of God. And this is what that means, where God is. Heaven is is where God is. So throughout this time that we do the study, this when we talk about heaven, we're talking about where God is. Because we will need to have a clear picture. So I want you to understand that. So where is God at? That is where heaven is. And for us to really get a clear picture, we're going to just go all the way back because in order to find what, God, what is waiting for us as when we die, what is waiting for us in eternity, we've got to go back further to the beginning. What was God's original intent? So turn over to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, look at verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This is God's original intent. So if we want to know what heaven's like, let's go back here. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our own likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the, of the sky and over the cattle and over, the, all, over all the earth and every creepy thing that's on the earth. And God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female. And notice what he created them for. To be fruitful and to multiply and to to fill the earth and subdue it and rule it. And then he talks about some specifics of how that's going to look like. And then he begins to give us something. He says, Behold, I have given you every plant of yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree with fruit yielding for food. And then he talks about the beasts. I have created food for all of them. And then, and God said, everything that has been made. And there at the end of the chapter, chapter 1, it says, it was very good. In the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1, it, it, it says, and, and thus the heavens and the earth were completed. Then turn over to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he begins, you know, chapter 1 was an overview In chapter 2, he gets to the specifics of what happened here. And in verse 4, it says, This is the account of heaven and earth when they were created in in the day that the Lord God made heaven and earth. And so so here he is. He's given specifics of how he created. And here we see that God, creator God, spoke all the world into existence and on this planet. He created it special. And so we start to get an understanding what heaven, what eternity is going to look like from looking at Eden. And then he made us and he put us in, uh, in Eden. And then he created an environment that was to have deep, intimate fellowship with us and for us to have deep, intimate fellowship with one another. 
And he gave us purpose, and this is his purpose in Eden, to rule, to multiply, to work, to create, to have culture, to live with God intimately. Now look at verse 7 in chapter 2. This is how it happened. This is, the, this is where he goes in, in specifics. He says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed life into the nostrils and the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord planted a garden towards the east in Eden, and he placed the man there that he had formed. Now, this is the father of God. This is God fathering Adam here. He's basically saying, I wanted to create this wonderful environment for you. And you out of the ground, the Lord causes to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life is there in the midst of the garden, also the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he goes on, he says down there, he says, then the Lord took man and he put him in the garden of Eden. And notice there's job. What is the job? To cultivate it and to keep it. See, in Eden, you have jobs. It's a kind of a view what eternity is going to be like. Some of our views and that think that we're just going to sit under a tree and eat grapes and worship God. I mean, I mean, that could be part of it, but here's some more. And he said, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone, so I'll make a helper suitable for him. And God, Lord God fashioned into a woman, into a woman the rib which he has taken from man. And he brought her to man. So we see this, this loving father, this creator, who's creating an environment and a world for the greatest joy of his creation and for us to have relationships with him and to re- have relationships with one another. And, and this is the environment they live in. And he has given us jobs and work. And it's not a struggle. These jobs aren't struggle. It's not what you think about your job, okay? So you've got to get that out. That's a curse, I'm not saying your job is a curse, but there was a curse at the end when Adam sinned. That man would have to work in the fertility of their, their jobs, their work. So he's given them jobs and works, and, and they're supposed to cultivate and have purpose and meaningful relationships. See, this is God's original intent. And then in this first world, you've got to notice, and they were naked and unashamed. There was no sin. There was no self-consciousness. There was no mixed motives. There's no using of people. That was the perfect plan. But they messed it up. So flipped over to chapter 3, verse 6, and we find where sin enters in. And verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, ate it, and she gave it to her husband, and he ate it also. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and, and made themselves loin coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called to man and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And so we now have, instead of a perfect environment, Sin enters in. We now have separation from God, and we're going to find in the story later, even separation from man. He blames her, she blames the serpent, and God says there's judgment. And there's judgment comes on, it happens. It happens for the woman in childbirth. There's judgment for the man that we struggle with the fertility in our work, and there's even judgment for the serpent. But then there's a great mercy towards the end. In verse 21, the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and Eve, his wife, 
and clothed them. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like us. Speaking of the, 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 the Trinity, God, Holy Spirit, and Jesus, uh, the Son. Knowing good from evil, lest he stretch out his hand and take it from the tree of life. So if Adam would have eaten from the tree of life in a fallen state, he would have been separated from God forever. And so you read, he puts a cherubim uh, at the gate of Eden, which is one of those powerful uh, angelic beings with a flaming sword to guard it. It can beat any Pokemon that you want to try. So anyway, I'll throw that in. So this is the story. And the rest of the story is from Genesis 3 to Genesis 20 where God sends his prophets and starts marching towards redemption, to getting his family back. Brings the revelation of God and the promise of the Messiah. And the Messiah comes and then he lives a perfect life and he declares who God really is and the Father and his love for the people that's full of truth and full of grace. And then he's crucified and in three days he rises again from the dead. And, uh, and then he... He goes up to heaven, he empowers the church, and the church goes out and brings forth the message of the Lord, the message of grace, the message of love, the message of, of what he has done. And, and, and then there comes, he comes back again, Jesus, and he, he reigns here on this earth for a thousand years where Jesus is judge and king, and then there's a final judgment, and then there's a new heaven and a new earth. In Revelation 21, verse Verse 1 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven and made as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice, a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them or in their midst. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no longer be any death, no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. And the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He's making all things new. You know, when you become a, a, a believer in Christ Jesus, you become new. It may, you may not be different. You, you, you may not be completely different, but you knew you were new. In fact, this new heaven and new earth is not going to be completely different, but it's going to be new. It's going to be better. It's going to be without sin. There's going to be nothing corrupt in this place at all. And a lot of times when we talk about eternity, we only talk about what's up there. But this is all about heaven. This is all about where we're going. This is all about your future as a believer in Christ Jesus. This is our joy that is set before us. This is what we have. And for the first time, heaven comes down. God comes down and dwells on the earth. And not just the only city. There's going to be nations. There's going to be life. There's going to be community. There's going to be art. There's going to be books that are going to be written. In fact, whatever you think is the best thing on earth is going to be even better. Amen? You ever seen a, a sunset over the ocean? And you say, oh, man, it's great. Or in the mountains, and you, you wake up early in the morning. And you say, man, this is, must be what heaven's going to be like. Yes, but even better. There's, no, there's not going to be any corruption. There's not going to be any of that. And so God's going to come down here 
He doesn't visit. He doesn't just come just to save us. He's going to come and live with us forever and ever. See, in Genesis 1 and 2, it is God with man in, in a perfect earth. That was his original intent. Guess what? He's going to get that back. He visits earth. He walks with man. And then from Genesis 3 to Revelation 20, you got God that's been separated by man and on a cursed earth. And Jesus is, becomes the Savior and the Redeemer, starts to bring man back to him. That's the original until the ending. So God's original intent on mankind on this earth was to live in perfection, was to live with him, with, with perfect harmony, perfect community with each other and with God himself in an intimate way. And that this was his original intent, that we would have life, we would rule, we would grow, we would have beauty, there would be fellowship. A planet was made for us to enjoy, for God to enjoy, to explore, and to live with God. That is the old earth. That joy, that beauty, that ex- to explore, to adventure, to, and grow. And that is going to be what heaven's going to be like. That you are going to have that joy. You're going to have that community. You're going to have that relationship with God, that perfect relationship with him and that perfect relationship with with others there's going to be no more selfishness there's not going to be anything that is bad that's on here on this earth it's a real place with real people with real nations there's going to be nations and we see that here there's going to be relationships there's going to be jobs culture music it's going to it's the old earth as god intended intended it but you know the difference is going to be now with us is we're going to remember the cost. We're going to understand grace like the angels don't ever can ever understand grace. We're going to see the mercy and the grace and the power of God and it's going to even be better for us in a place where sin never happened. That is the promise of Scripture. There's future rewards for even present difficulties. Luke chapter 6 says this, rejoice in the day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. These troubles and, and tragedies will be lifted and the curse will be reversed. Matthew 5, 3 says this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Everything good, enjoyable, refreshing, and fascinating, fascinating originates from God. So this is going to be heaven's going to be like that this is why heaven and eternity is so great because that's where god is psalm 16 11 says you will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand matthew 25 21 come and share your master's happiness you know it's like the father god is waiting for this day to to pour out even more who he is of his goodness with 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 it out being taken away without it being being uh, used in, in a wrong way. It's going to be poured out because we're going to be perfect to receive it. There's going to be no more death, no more crying, no more suffering. We're going to experience the best the earth has to uh, offer with none of the worst. Revelation 21, 4, God's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. For the, for the old order of things has passed away. And right now, we're living between Eden and the new earth. 
Eden was decimated by sin because of what Adam did. And if you open up the book of Revelation and you read chapter 4, and I encourage you to do this this week, read chapter 4 and chapter 5, it has the throne and the elders and literally what, ha- what theologians call the in- intermediate heaven. So what the mini- intermediate heaven is, is from Genesis 3 to Genesis 20. But after Genesis 20, God comes back on the scene. And He rules and reigns with us. So the moment a person dies during that window from Genesis 3 to Revelation 20, they receive Christ, you immediately go into the presence of God. And it's called the intermediate heaven. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, Paul says this. He says, I don't know what to do, because he thinks he's going to be executed. If I die, I'll be immediately with Christ, who is much better. But maybe I should stay and minister to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 says, to be absent from the body is to be home with the Lord. So there's no soul sleep. There's no delay. So when you die, you're in the presence of God. You are immediately in the presence of God. So that may be a good thing to die, okay? You know, I, I, you know, I tell my wife, it says, if I ever die, don't try to call me back. She keeps on telling me, you better come back. So I don't know who I should obey, her or God. I'm not sure, but... Um, <laughs> whose wrath is worse? I think my wife's, because she has no grace and mercy like God does. So anyway. <laughs> but, anyway but that's the future. To be absent with the body is to be home with the Lord. And when you die, you're in the, immediately, if you're a born-again believer, with Christ Jesus. Amen? There is nothing to fear. There is nothing to be ashamed of. The future is what we have beginning in chapter 21 and 22 of Revelation is there is a new heaven and a new earth. And in that time, I'll have my resurrected body, six pack and all, man. And we will live on this new heaven and this new earth. We will have jobs. We will will rule and reign with Christ. I'm excited about that. Eden will be resurrected on the new earth. Revelation 22, 2. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. We will have new bodies with flesh and bones. Philippians 3, 21. Jesus will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Luke 24, 39. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. We're going to have new bodies on this, on, when Jesus comes back. And, and, and we're going to eat and drink. Luke 24, 40-43, they gave him, the resurrected Jesus, a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Luke twenty two twenty nine 29 says, I, can, I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. I am so thankful, and I believe barbecue, can't see barbecue is going to be up there. It's heavenly. We're going to have food. Heaven is called a city. We should expect the new heaven and new earth to have cities, but only with the good and not the bad. Hebrews 11.10, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect 
and builder is God. Hebrews 13, 14. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We will have things to do, places to go, people to see. In Revelation 21, 3, his servants will serve him. Heaven is a country. Countries have culture and diversity. I believe God's in the countries. I really do. I believe that's the part of God. Just not being selfish. Hebrews eleven sixteen. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Both Isaiah and John state that the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into the new Jerusalem, and their glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. In Revelation 21 and Isaiah 60. I mean, there's, there's going to be greatness in there. I, I really believe personally, this is me personally, this is Sean, that even sports are going to be in heaven. Paul says, talks about 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that, all, if you, all, that in a race all the runners run? So, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way that you get the prize. I mean, I, I believe there's sports. Could be sports in heaven. 2 Timothy 2.5. Anyone completes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. I, I believe that. Uh, the Olympic champion, Eric Little, he said this. He made me, talking about God, he made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Amen? I believe there's going to be sports. Now, I don't believe there's going to be like demonic teams like the White Sox or the Broncos. <laughs> you know, they're going to be royal teams like Kansas City Royals and the Chiefs who, you know, sorry. Had to put that one out there. I don't know. I believe that heaven is going to be pleasurable going to be enjoyable i believe that where god is that's who he is heaven on earth there will be animals in heaven we see that throughout scripture don't have time to really talk about it you're going to have animals there you're going to have uh, we're going to know everything in heaven god alone is all knowing we're going to learn more forever as god will show and reveal to us of his infinite attributes ephesians 2 6-7 says that God saves us in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. We're going to learn who God is and how to be like him. We're going to laugh in heaven. Luke 6.21 says, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. We're going to have that. Heaven's going to be great. Heaven's not just, just sitting in a cloud. It's not a, just a, a, um, a 24-hour, seven-a-day-week uh, church service. Everybody say amen for that. There's something that you will have a part in in heaven. And as we go through this series, we'll, we'll uh, you know, talk about more of that. And give us more understanding of what heaven's going to be like and what we do here on this earth affects that. And I want to challenge you to begin to study, to begin to ask God for that, for, for understanding, for revelation of what heaven's going to be like. Because it's so important that you and I understand and look forward to heaven. And not to say, well, I, I don't want Jesus to come back until I go to Hawaii or I, I go on a trip. No, I tell you what. You want Jesus to come back but to right now because that's how good it's going to be. 
it's going to be even better. In fact, some of the things that you like to do that, are, that aren't sinful, you understand that, but some of the things that you like to do, like you, you, like, to work in, you like to work in the garden, or you like, I believe those are God things. You like to go skiing, you like to enjoy the outdoors, you like to do those things. I believe those are God things, and they're going to be even far better because there's not, nothing that's going to hurt you, nothing that's going to corrupt it, nothing's going to use your thoughts in a wrong way. Like Paul said, I don't know why I do the things I don't want to do. But it's going to be relationships that's going to be clear. It's going to be relationships that's going to be great. And we're going to, we're going to know each other in a great way. Nothing hitting. Nothing broken. Amen? That's what heaven's going to be like. And heaven is reserved not for perfect people. Not for good people, but forgiven people. So if you're perfect in here, sorry, you're going to hell. It's reserved for forgiven people. Revelations 21, 27 says this. Nothing impure will ever enter, talking about the new Jerusalem, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? Your name's written in there. If you've received Jesus, your Lord and Savior, heaven is for you. Where God is, is for you. Amen? Isn't that good? And so the next three weeks, as we go through heaven, talk about heaven. We're going to talk about a little bit about hell next week, so you don't want to go there. But as we talk about heaven and describe heaven even more and more, I want you to get the sense of urgency. I don't want you to go out and say, God, take me now. But the urgency to live your life with purpose. To live your life longing for heaven and allow what's coming to encourage you in the now. Allow what's coming to determine how you live your life. To allow what's coming to determine how you relate with people. Because the only ones who can come into this place of eternity is people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, Father, we get a revelation, an understanding about heaven even more and more. And as we go out this week and we study heaven, your eternity, Lord, our eternity that you've given us, that, Father God, we, we get excited about what's to come. We look forward, God, to what you're going to do. And we thank you, Lord, that we're going to start living that even more now. So, Father, give us that revelation as we go into our small groups and even study it even more, that we learn more about what you have for us about what you're going to do for us and what the your original intent was for mankind to rule and to reign with you so give us revelation on what that means in jesus name now with everyone's eyes closed no one looking around